new location, new albums, same great stories. It's time for the Bang Your Head Podcast with your host, Jake Zimmers. Welcome in to another episode of the Bang Your Head Podcast. As always, don't forget to, to subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts, Spotify, Apple, Google. Leave me a rating. Leave me constructive criticism. Tell me how I can improve. It's always appreciated. Uh, don't forget to listen to the playlist on Spotify. If you search for me, Jake Zimmers, you can listen to our music playlist where we have not only the the songs that we cover in each episode, but also the songs that we feature in our independent spotlight from the likes of Observe the 93rd, Crooked Ways, and a song you'll be hearing later on, which I'm going to talk about in a bit. And don't forget to like the Facebook page. You go to facebook.com slash podcast. Give us a like so you, can, so you never miss up-to-date moments and notifications to when episodes go live. So we are back with part two of my sit-down with Jack King from Cultaholic. Uh, Last week, you heard us talk about his entire career, from his beginnings in the writing realm to his move to what culture, and then eventually him leaving and starting, being one of the founding members of Cultaholic. Really, really great story. Highly recommend you go back and check that episode. Last week was the... The information, it was learning about Jack and his life. This week, it is the album review and a bit of a unique one. We've done studio albums, we have done EPs, we've done double albums, we've done live albums, uh, but we're adding another one to the list, and you'll find out what that is here in a little bit. Before we get into the episode, though, I do want to give a shout-out to our independent spotlight this week. I said I was going to mention them now instead of a minute ago when I was just talking about them, but it is, uh, it's the guys from my cousin's girlfriend's house led by former Bangerhead podcast guest Pete Long. They are releasing a, a new single. It's coming out today. When you're hearing this, the music video was actually released uh, Thursday, uh, the 17th of February, so it's on their YouTube channel if you go, uh, if you go and search for it, but this is a brand new track from Pete and the Boys, My Cousin's Girlfriend's House. Jam out to this song. Really, really digging it. Hope you do too. This song is called Therapeutic Hypocrite. When I wake up, no makeup, grinning out at the world with hesitation. Underneath is a product of the weak, hypothetical disease, and I'm better off dancing to the beat. You're still calling this defeat as I'm stepping into reach of a helping hand in a dark time. There's a war crime. Tired of entertaining thoughts, exhausted, she climbed that It's in the mirror, couldn't have seen it any clearer A helping hand, it's an unsung hero When he wakes up, hides the makeup That it takes to be the generation Staring down the barrel of denial Just add it to the pile, encrypt and mental file Keep it secure and hide it from the world In case you haven't heard, helping hand at a dark time 
For the last little bit, we've been talking about your life and pro wrestling and music and the whole shebang, but I think it's time that we navigate on to your most influential album, the album that really hooked you, the album that really synced you in. And I think over the almost two years I've been doing this, uh, I think this is the a first in in a in a type of album that uh, that I've reviewed. I've done EPs, I've done live albums, uh, I've I think I may have done a double album, but I, I I've never done. Uh, a greatest hits album, which I remember when you suggested it. When you suggested it to me, I was like, "Let's let's do it," because I knew it was going to be great. So just w- give us give us the album. Uh, why why it has holds that special place in your heart? I have chosen international super hits by Green Day. I'd like to clarify. I know it's a greatest hits album, and I do feel a little bit. I do feel a little bit like I'm I'm cheating by doing a greatest hits album. It's not very cool. I just like to clarify to Jake's audience that he said it would be okay if I did that. So I'd like to just find that out right now. Um, the, the album, uh, I didn't realize it was a greatest hits album until I started looking at other Green Day albums once I'd enjoyed this one and thought, oh, there's quite a lot of the other songs on these other albums. And then I thought, oh, it's a greatest. It's called International Super Hits. How could I possibly have got this wrong? But I, I probably first listened to it when I was like, 12 or 13 and I think it it's the greatest hits album man it's got all the greatest hits from the pre from the pre-American idiot era though so it's it's more like classic three chord pop punk singing about girls and hometown and all that sort of stuff before they got more political so it's like simple fun green day and I love it still I will say when I first saw that uh that album cover I did think it was like a brand new a brand new album. I mean, selfishly, I it's it's weird. I think American Idiot came out. I was I would have been nine or ten years old at the time, and and that was the first like 
oh, who's this band Green Day? And I remember my dad, my, my dad telling me, oh, they've been around since the mid-90s. I was like, what do you mean they've been around since the mid-90s? And then you discover all these songs. But I, I, I do love the, the it's that one, of my, one of my favorite greatest hits album covers with just the three of them in the multicolors just being like, super hits. <laughs> There's no right. subtlety about it in the slightest at all. <laughs> All right, we're going to go ahead and hop into this album review. Before you hear Jack and I review Green Day's International Super Hits, allow me to provide you with a little bit of background information. International Super Hits is a greatest hits album released by legendary pop punk band Green Day. The album was released on November 13th, 2001 on Reprise Records. Prior to the release of the album, Green Day had built their reputation off of the back of their first four major label albums, 1994's Dookie, 1995's Insomniac, 1997's Nimrod, and 2000's Warning. While the album was primarily singles released from the four major label albums, International Super Hits did feature three unreleased cuts and b-sides, two of which as singles. Maria and Pop Rocks and Coke were released as singles for the album in 2002. International Super Hits charted in nine countries, with peak placements of four on the Japanese Oricon charts and five on the New Zealand RMNZ charts. It peaked on the US Billboard 200 at 40 and achieved platinum and gold status in 10 countries, including three times platinum in Australia and Ireland, two times platinum in Japan and the United Kingdom, and one time platinum in Argentina and the United States. Following the release of International Super Hits, Green Day would go on to regain and achieve commercial success, releasing seven further studio albums, 2004's American Idiot, 2009's 21st Century Breakdown, 2012's Uno Dos Trey Trilogy, 2016's Revolution Radio, and 2020's Father of All. American Idiot was turned into a musical directed by Tony Award winner Michael Mayer, which ran in 2010 and 2011 on Broadway. Green Day has won five Grammy Awards, most recently in 2011 for Best Musical Show Album, with frontman Billy Joe Armstrong receiving the award for his work as the producer on American Idiot, the original Broadway cast recording. The band was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame on April 18th, 2015. All right, so international super hits from Green Day. Now, uh, at Jack, as you mentioned, it is obviously a bunch of the, the big singles for Green Day pre American Idiot. This is uh, this is Dookie, Insomniac, Nimrod, Warning, uh, and especially those latter two albums. I think sort of divisive albums in the in the history of Green Day. Um, but we did actually start off with uh, with an unreleased song. There were a couple of songs that that were never released on any of these albums in the '90s, and we start off with the uh, with the song Maria. And and when when I'm when I'm listening to this song, I sort of get those early vibes, you know, sort of the the Dookie or Kerplunk era of Green Day in the music, very fast paced, very catchy, um, but still in your face. Uh, with with you know the the three of them, what they were doing at that time was was great. I was personally a fan of um, uh, lyrically. They have the they have the lyrics in the bridge where they say, "Be careful what you're offering. Your breath lacks the conviction. Drawing a line in the dirt because the last decision is no. It's no." Uh, and then the, and then the blues riff comes in like meh, meh, meh. yeah 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 I've not yeah, listened weird. to that song for a long time so you're bringing back a lot of I've not listened to that song for a, a while so yeah it's weird hearing the occasional guitar solo in a Green Day song because I think we're just used to like three or four power chords and uh, and that's it from there but for for you what do you, what do you uh, what do you remember about this track what what is it that uh, stands out for you uh, I think the riff and the you know like the no 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 and then the there's I think like the I think it's the bass it might be a guitar but I think the bass carries on in the background like do 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 and I think that really caught 
um, my attention immediately. There's also that weird interview at the start with Billy Joe when he's a child. Um, I don't know what that's about. They've just put that at the start of the album where you hear uh, that is really him replying to the woman asking him the question. And he goes, wonderful. And he's like a, a child. And that apparently that is really his voice from when he was a kid doing like a mock, just like a play playing around interview or something. So, um, but that's a, that's a, it is really catchy. I'm surprised it was never a single, actually. It is a very catchy song. The next song, uh, another unreleased song on the in in their their early years, the song Pop Rocks and Coke. And I I remember like as I'm listening to this song, like I, I feel like I've I've heard this before. And I saw Green Day once, so so it may have been it may have just snuck in there as a as a song that I just wasn't familiar with at the time. Um, it, it has that nice, uh, it almost just sounds like like a smooth transition, uh, you know, almost like a like a fade out of sorts out of Maria into Pop Rocks and Coke, uh, which which I was a big fan of. Uh, they have the line here. They have the lines in the chorus. Uh, I don't care if you don't mind. I'll be there. Not far behind. I will dare. Keep in mind. I'll be there for you. And I think when I when I heard that, you know, I'll be there for you. I was I, that was when it really hit me. I wrote in my notes. I just said. I've heard this before. I know I've heard this before, but it's just like right there on the precipice. <laughs> yeah. Um, for me, that song is, uh, are you, have you heard of Foxborough Hot Tubs, Green Day's like spin-off band? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's a little bit like that sound, I, th I think. That could be a Foxborough Hot Tub song because that's a little bit more laid back. Um, I think it's the, for me, the, the song really comes around where like it's, it's, it's going along nicely with the whole, verse and everything but it's that chorus it's the chord change where it's i don't care and then the, the chord change on the care when it goes uh, i guess i'm not sure what chord it is but it brings the song around i think green day are really underrated in terms of they're not underrated obviously now they're one of the biggest bands in the world <laughs> but they're underrated when it comes to constructing a song uh i think that they keep it simple but that doesn't mean it's bad necessarily so the next, I believe, one, two, three, four, five tracks are all from uh, arguably their one of their best albums. Personally, one of my favorite records from them, uh, song that broke them into uh, to the mainstream in the mid '90s. That is, of course, Dookie. And uh, for me, one of my not just one of my favorite songs on Dookie, but one of my favorite Green Day songs ever is the song Longview. I love the as as a, as a guy who plays a little bit of bass. I Mike's baseline is is legendary. It's it's it. I love it. Um, I you know I, I'm I'm remembering as I'm listening to these songs like what I thought the songs were about at the time, right? So 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 so, yeah, you know, look up what Longview is about. It has its meaning. We know what it's about. At the time, I had thought it was about like you know Billy Joe writes a lot in his lyrics about you know, his struggles growing up in Northern California and, and you know, be, being homeless or using drugs or things of that nature. I'd always thought it was a song about, about uh, drug use. And then he makes it very, very clear in the final verse, no, no, this is not about drug use. It's about, it's about wasting the time during the day. It is. It's about, you could, there's, yeah, it, it's, it's about boredom. We can yes. even say that. I think the, the first line is, I sit around and watch the tube. But nothing's on and that line really confused me when i was a kid because tube isn't a term for tv in in the uk the only thing that we call a tube is the the subway system in london so i had no idea what he was had no clue what he meant so it was a mystery to me as well for many for many years 
but the, the, the lyric I've got to say the bass. I'm glad you. I'm glad you play a little bit of bass because the bass line is it's it's possibly is it Green Day's best bass line? Probably it probably is. Yeah. And then and then lyrically, uh, the the one the one line I had that stood out to me was was in the final the final chorus. Um, you know, obviously it's the you know, the first half is the same. You know, bite my lip and close my eyes, take me away to paradise. Um, but the the back half there, where you know, I'm so damn bored, I'm going blind, and loneliness has to suffice. Which again, I mean, I think for for a song that's meant to be sort of tongue in cheek, maybe isn't the right word again, but but still very, you know, like oh, we're talking about what we do when we're bored, and then but then at the same time you just said that oh, well, I'm gonna be bored, I'm gonna be lonely. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> especially in the earlier career, there's some very dark lyrics with some disguise because the the sounds so bright and poppy, but the lyrics can be quite like quite dark sometimes. So up next, uh, welcome to paradise, and and again another. This was a, a re-recorded song that was originally on Kerplunk. It makes its way onto Dookie, and this was actually the first time I really, uh, w- you know, read the lyrics and and you know really about him, you know, kind of running away from home and and living. On his home, living on his own, excuse me, in uh, in Oakland, California, and that sort of thing. I, I I noticed, you know, first of all, you know, the in the very first verse, he mentions how it's been three weeks. He, he tells his mom, you know, it's been three weeks since I left, and then towards the end of the song, all of a sudden, oh, it's six months. Like how quickly time can go between between point A and point B. Um, and then also, what you mentioned about the baseline in Longview being one of their best. Uh, the baseline in in Welcome to Paradise there, uh, for, towards the breakdown, towards the end of the song. I mean, I, I still am a fan of the Longview baseline, but the Welcome to Paradise baseline is up there as well. Yeah, it, it certainly is. And you're right, the, 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 the lyrics go really well with, the song is like quite fast paced and there's a, like a manic energy. And you know that in the breakdown, it starts to, it starts to sound like it's spiraling out of control, like the whole like, and um, I think that goes really well with the, with the lyrics because he's he's talking about, oh man, like I'm out on my own, my life's changed, what's happening? But then at the end, you get the resolution where, as you say, it's it's been six months and he's he's more used to it now. He's, it's kind of like a growing up song, isn't it? I suppose. Uh, another classic, as I have in all caps, written up next with the song "Basket Case." Um, and I, I, I remember right when I first, I, 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 I took a, took a full-time job many years ago and I, and I left Pennsylvania, but I, I did briefly, I was briefly in a band and one, and we, we covered like a couple of these Green Day songs and we did Longview and we did Basket Case just as like songs to really get the juices flowing, uh, when we were, when we were sort of, uh, you know, learning songs. I mean, I mean, Basket Case is... I would say it's probably the biggest single from Dookie in, in terms of like if you if you went to uh, to a you know a, a, a casual music fan like you know obviously you say Green Day they'll probably say American Idiot because of course they would say American Idiot but but I think like if they do you know anything before that oh what's that song they're like in the music video they're in the mental hospital and they're and they're you know all in their respective things oh yeah that's Basket Case that song's great um, that I mean that that song and and again. Um, you know, not not much. Uh, I mean, it's it's just there. There wasn't much I had outside of just just it's just a jam. You know what I mean? And then I, I do selfishly enjoy the the you know uh, grasping to control. So I better hold on. It, it it's it wasn't big introspective, but it was the the, the seven or eight words that were there. Billy Joe just kind of slapped you in the face with like, yeah, uh, we got it. You got you got to hold on and make sure you don't go 
crazy, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a song about his um, his anxiety and, and realizing what it is, but it's my favorite Green Day song. And I think that I'm, I'm almost surprised myself that it's, that it's my favorite Green Day song because as someone primarily involved with writing, you might think that I choose one that's a little bit more lyrically ambitious, like, you know, Jesus of Suburbia or even Good Riddance. But it's not the most poetic Green Day song, but I just, it's just undeniable to me. Like, it's my favorite one. I, can't, I don't think that'll ever change either. You know how like some bands, you'll have different favorite songs that float up and down in your mind's ranking of them. But for me, nothing's ever top basket case. And I don't know why. I just think it's a very, very perfect song. It's also like one of the best outros in music I've ever heard, I think. The outro is superb. So we follow on from there to When I Come Around. Uh, again, another song where I'm really reading the lyrics for the first time and, and learning the, the, the song is, you know, a, a guy who kind of wants to be a little more promiscuous than a girl who wants to pursue something a little more serious with him. And, and you, you sort of see this, it's like, okay, well, I'm going to go around and, and, and mess around and you're okay with it only when you're not okay with it. And sort of reading, reading that in specifically in the lyrics. Other than that, uh, I mean, it's, again, it's Dookie was an album that produced so many big songs for Green Day. And this was only, this was within a 12 to 18 month period. It's like 94, 95 that, that these songs were coming out and looking back at it, you know, almost thirty years later, which is insane to say, but 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 it's 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 crazy to think about that all these successive songs came out in, in such a short amount of time. It's cra- it's crazy, um, I, and it's not like you know, like some bands, their first album's like the best one, and then there's the classic se- difficult second album. But for Green Day, this was already quite some years into their career. They'd already had Kaplunk, and they'd already had like quite a handful of EPs as well. So it's not as if Billy Joe had all of these songs ready to go because he'd spent his youth writing them. They came along after he'd already released like two albums worth of material. So I can't quite work out how this happened. There's a reason it's, you know, such a renowned album, I guess, because the sort of, yeah, the run of the run of singles on it is amazing. When I Come Around reminds me of their quite infamous set at Woodstock 94, Oof. because during, during the little, it's not even really a solo, but there's a little melody that he plays uh towards the end of when i come around um quite high on the fretboard and someone throws a clump of mud and it just splats on his fretboard and he just gives up on the solo and just goes okay and that was billy joe accepting that the gig (laughs) was not going to be an easy one i suppose (laughs) um so the the final song from dookie that made it onto the album is the song she this has always been a song that that like um again mike's bass it's there and it's and it kicks off the song very very strongly um probably the the third of the three really synonymous bass lines from dookie uh, this was a song that that like i i enjoy it i like it it's not a song i outright hate but it's never been a song that i've like like when it comes on i i maybe change the, the station like if i'm in the car or i'll skip it if i'm on spotify you know what i mean like it just it was a song that never really like stood out for me personally i always see it as it was like that for me at first it was never one of my favorites but it's it's grown on me over the years definitely um and i now see it almost as like a counterpart to basket case i feel like the structure of it is a little bit similar like the quiet at the start and then it gets loud and the chord changes are quite frantic 
Um, and there's a lot of the second verse of she. I would say I'm not trying to change your mind on she, but go back and listen to the second verse of she, and listen to the guitar in the background because it's like Basket Case. Like he's palm muting. It's the same rhythm pretty much. But you're right though. It's not one of my very favorites. Do you think the track position might not help that though? Because it's come after such a run of of amazing singles. That may that might be it. You know, but but I think it's also sort of the you know, a lot of a lot of the songs, a lot of those like big songs on Dookie, you know, and, and I, I, it sort of comes from you know, I, I doing the 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 choir and the band stuff that I did growing up, and and seeing how obviously a bunch of songs will sound, you know, similar, right? So like you you know, look at a band like like you know ACDC for example, you know they you know they they're a successful band, but you know what's people's number one complaint? Oh, all their songs sound homogenous. Uh, the, but but they still find a way to make it work. And with Dookie, you have songs that like, from a from a chord and from a structure perspective, you have you have Longview that sounds sort of similar to Basket Case that sounds you know, like in terms of like musically like what they're what they're playing. And then you have, um, it's, and also similar to a song like Welcome to Paradise. You know what I mean? And then you have these, and then you have a song like like She Come Around. And and, and I think it's sort of the closest thing that was that was there to like a ballad per se on the album but it was just i just remember hearing it and just being like it's fine but it's just like you want you're expecting it to like to like get to that next gear okay yeah 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 totally yeah um the final non uh like album it was like a a new song to international super hits the song j-a-r uh, really a, an emotional song, um, which Mike uh, wrote this. Uh, I think it was based around a, a friend of his who got into a car accident. He basically alluded to the fact that, you know, he thought his friend was taking his own life. So very, very, um, again, an instance where it's these, it's this serious story written in a very, um, you know, in a very pop punky upbeat, uh, upbeat style. Uh, you know, you have, you have the, obviously, b- based on when it was written, you have the very, you know, similar sounding musically to uh, to the songs of the day. Uh, lyrically, you know, they have the line here in the in, you know, the chorus, and I think it's all right that I do what I like because that's the way I want to live. It's how I give, and I'm still given. And then you have that, but then you also have that very very suspenseful outro. You know, they run through the lyrics, and then it just sort of tapers off. While I'm young and while I'm able, all I want to do is, and then the song cuts. Yeah. Um... You can tell definitely that this was a late addition because it sounds similar to Maria. I don't know if that's just the production, but it, to me it always sounds similar to Maria, the, the first song on the album or on the on the greatest hits. Um, it's another great bass. It's another great bass um, track for Mike. Um, it's also a great. I think we haven't we haven't really mentioned the drums yet, but obviously Trey Cool's a, a ludicrous drummer, <laughs> and this is a song where he gets to show off a little bit as well. I think it's a great one. Um, I'd actually forgotten about it. I thought we were going to go straight on to like the Insomniac stuff. I forgot. So when you said that, that was a surprise. And I thought, oh yeah, Jar, what a tune, what a great song. Well, you mentioned you mentioned the album. Uh, the next five cuts on this on on international super hits are all from the 1995 record Insomniac. Uh, th- this was an album I only ever heard recently, probably within the past couple of years, because I think. You know, from radio airplay, we're we're familiar with uh, with a couple of the songs that we'll that we'll touch on in a second. But uh, first, you got to start with uh, with the song "Geek Stink Breath," 
and and this was a song that was you know all of the songs from Insomniac have a little bit of a different and almost mature like more mature sound than compared to compared to what you heard in previous years with Dookie and with Kerplunk. Uh, the harmonies in the chorus, I, I thought vocally, you have you know Billy Joe and Mike and maybe even Trey, uh, you know bouncing off each other lyrically. I really enjoyed. And then you have uh, lyrically, what stood out to me the the last half of of verse three. Uh, you know, I mean the the entirety of the verse. I'm on a mission. I got no decision. Like a cripple running the rat race. A wish in one hand, a shit in the other, and see which one gets filled first. Gets filled first. What what is that? Like what? What what, what a lyric! Wow. Yeah. Um, I'd just like to say, first of all, and I don't mean to sound like I'm trashing the own, my own album that I chose for this, but I feel like they chose the wrong, some of the wrong tracks off Insomniac for this compilation. Having since listened to Insomniac when I was a little bit older, 86, 86 has got to be on there and Armitage Shanks has got to be on there for me. But, you know, I don't, I don't dislike Extinct Breath at all. And I've, I've never even considered the harmonies in the chorus, but as you were saying that, I thought about it in my head, and there's like a high-low thing going on. I was like, I'm on my So yeah, I think I do enjoy it, but there's songs on Insomniac that I enjoy more, definitely. Uh, the next two songs kind of going hand-in-hand hand here is one fades into the other, Brain Stew and Jaded, and all I really have is uh, bop. It is a bop. It's simple, but it slaps, and then verse verse two of um of the song is oh is sorry just... you cut out you cut out very briefly sorry for interrupting there oh no 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 you are all good uh gotta love college gotta love college internet um but no uh brains brain stew uh simple it slaps how'd you say it was a bop yes absolutely yeah 100 percent uh verse two uh my mind is set on overdrive the clock is laughing in my face a crooked spine my senses dulled past the point of delirium all right thank you billy <laughs> Very similar to Papa Roach's Last Resort as well. <laughs> the chords are the same. Yeah. Yes. Da-da, da-da, da-da. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then it fades on into uh, onto uh, into Jaded, and and this was a a track. I I don't think I had heard Jaded even for the first time until probably it would have been in high school maybe and it sounds weird but it's just i think brain stew was such a synonymous song from insomniac that i think people just sort of accepted that song for what it was so so you just had you had that fade out of of brain stew and you know the final chord is sustained and then it goes right into the next song but oh no then all of a sudden you hear and then it goes into jaded and and i i love jaded i really really do uh, i i'm like again reminiscing uh to when i first heard this the, first heard that song and then um you know in the uh in the chorus you know when he you know billy joe goes always moving forward going straight won't get you nowhere there's no progress evolution killed it all i found my place in nowhere it's like just the the it, it's it's weird, like just the the acceptance, I guess, of of sort of being like, okay, I'm in, I'm in this 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 void, because I think like both songs are really touching on his struggles with drugs at the time, uh, primarily with meth. So sort of being in this state of of loneliness and just being like, oh, this is how it's gonna be, all right. It's also, I think, 
it's it, it must be the fastest song on international super hits it's got i can't think of another song that's as quick but it's green day having more of like a hardcore punk edge is vo- billy joe's vocals are always still like quite light for a punk frontman but it shows that they can they can do like the, the fastest stuff and you can definitely tell that they were influenced by one of their biggest influences was Operation Ivy, I think. And you can tell that. You can tell that they're influenced by like the Ramones and, and bands, like older bands like that. So I think it's an underrated gem on, on this. I mean, you could argue that none of the songs on this are underrated because it's the greatest hits, but I think it is underrated in the context of this collection. It's funny though, you mentioned this, like the speed of the track and and and, and from like a, a speed perspective, like the, they're, there are a couple songs in later albums that I sort of hear the similar, the similar speed structure, like a song like Saint Jimmy off American Idiot, uh, and even uh, in recent years a song like Bang Bang off of Revolution Radio. That's that's still sort of just like full throttle pedal to the metal. We're just gonna go a million miles an hour and and just basically play your face off. Yeah, um, they can do it. They can do it. Uh, the final song from Insomniac that made it on was the song Walking Contradiction. Uh, it's catchy and it, it certainly is a, it, I wrote kind of describing it as, as a more polished sound that you would hear on the, the latter albums in the nineties. Uh, I was a big fan of the line in the first verse. Um, Billy Joe says, talk is cheap and lies are expensive. My wallet's fat and so is my head hit and run. And then I'll hit you again. A smart ass, but I'm playing dumb. Yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoy, I enjoy the lyrics of this one more than maybe more than the song itself. I think it's still a good song, but I think lyrically is, I enjoy the lyrics far more than like any other aspect of it. And it's not even, he's just, he's doing what the song says. He's writing down a list of contradictions and little twists on popular sayings, but it, it works very well, I think. Um, Stuck With Me is the next song, uh, a song that sort of throws it back to the the sound of song of songs from Dookie. And and the first the first line in in the second verse was was my standout lyric of the song you know what's my price and and will you pay it if it's all right uh, not not really much not really much outside of that other than it was it was it was it, it's weird to call it a throwback from an album that was just released the year prior but uh, certainly to what you would hear later on down the line it, it certainly it it is back to that that more skate punky style of sound. I think the way I feel about this song is how you feel about She. It never really particularly stood out to me, but similarly in my, from my own experience with the song She, this one has actually grown on me over time a little bit more. I think maybe it's just when you, cause I was all about Green Day, man. And then when you learn about other bands and then you forget about Green Day for a while, and then when you come back to like those first few bands that you were first into, maybe Stuck With Me would come on Shuffle or something. And I think, oh, you know what? I actually enjoy it more, more than I thought I first did. So now we hit into the Nimrod section of this album and we start off with Hitchin' a Ride, the second track on uh, Nimrod. What a track. I'm sorry for interrupting, but what a track. No, no, it's it's we we start off with that with the with the violin solo, which which I, I listening to this track now, and 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 the 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 varying genres of music that that we that I've heard over the years, it's like it's it to my ear it doesn't sound bad, but I could only, I could imagine at the time in the late '90s, you're coming off this entire first six or seven years of 
of of a particular style of, of music, and then all of a sudden they they, they switch it up. It's the, it's the classic like, you know, oh my god, they sold out. Like when Metallica did the Black album, like oh my god, they sold out. They're going mainstream, whatever. Um, but the, so they start off with the with the violin solo at the beginning that I think initially is just kind of like what why, um, and then they have the uh, the lyric here in the. Uh, in the uh, sound, in the second verse, uh, there's a drought at the fountain of youth, and I'm dehydrated. My tongue is swelling up. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's always a, it's a, I think it's a live favorite of theirs as well, isn't it? Because they really break it down and drag it out live, um, and then when it comes back in, it's just all the more that 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 scream that he does. You don't really hear Billy Joe Armstrong scream like that, but he does it in Hitching a Ride, and I hope that it's not altered in any way i feel like that's his real voice but he just never does it so it's a surprise to hear when he does um i don't have much really to say on the next song good riddance time of your life i mean it is a song we've all heard a million and one thousand times um it it is give it its credit it is a it is a is a beautiful song um i think you know a lot of a lot of high schools here in the states will sit will play that song when they're graduating and they'll they won't see their friends anymore and we're all going off to college and everything but like the song's actually about just billy joe breaking up with his girlfriend because she's going to ecuador like it's it, it was really really weird it's it, it is a good song and i'm not here to diminish that the song isn't good but i think it just comes from years and years and years of just the overplay of that song you may have experienced that more in the states than here it is still a huge song over here it gets played at you know weddings and and that sort of thing but i can't even imagine i've heard that it is used in a lot of high school graduations and that sort of thing and i can't imagine the how much it's like you get hit over the head with that song so i, I do understand there was like there were a couple of songs that i remember like as i was getting ready to graduate high school it's like oh someone's gonna create some some really sappy emotional like five minute montage and like these two songs are going to be combined and as soon as we hear the 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 opening guitar from from Goodrins, it's like oh god here we go here we go um uh so we move on to redundant and and this was a song and it's funny because like as i as i was listening to the album uh you know i have the lyrics up with me and and for a bunch of these songs you see like the 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 single covers and and you see the I saw the single cover for Redundant and it's only the three it's literally the three of them on like a blue background, but looking at before even listening to the song because I don't think I had ever heard Redundant prior to listening to the album to listening to this album but uh, I was expecting almost like it looked almost like a like a ska band album cover you know what I mean like I was expecting to hear a little bit of like Mighty Mighty Boston's or something like that <laughs> something like that or like or like something like King for a day, maybe like, you know what I mean? Like you hear the, you know what I mean? So, uh, so, uh, it, and, and, and it turns out like it, you know, the song for me, I, I compared it to sounding a little bit like a musical number. I don't know why, but it, it sounded like, um, it sounded, it sounded like something that could have fit in. Like, you know, like when, when they moved American idiot to Broadway and, and, you know, you obviously had all of the songs from that and a few from 21st century breakdown, but like, if you could have dug back into the archives, I feel like Redundant could have gone in there for like that musical spectrum that they did. And then real real quick, just lyrically in the chorus, when Billy Joe, now I cannot speak, I've lost my voice, I'm speechless and redundant, because I love you's not enough, I'm lost for words. 
the lyrics are really good, but for me, the the sound, like the song itself, has never been one of my favorites on this, unfortunately. Um, I just don't really, is it a guitar? Whatever the weird sound is at the start, like the down, down, and 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 that to me just doesn't click with me in my head for some reason. I, if it comes on, I'm likely to skip it, unfortunately. It might be my least favorite on this, but the lyrics are the high point. The lyrics are really good. Uh, so the uh, the final song from Nimrod here, and it's actually the track that opens the album, uh, is the song Nice Guys Finish Last. Uh, this is, again, a song that, that sort of sounds like uh, like Dookie and Insomniac. And, and and also the you know the end of uh, the end of the the first verse, uh, you know your sympathy will get you left behind. Sometimes you're at your best when you feel the worst. When you feel the worst, do you feel washed up like it's going down the drain? Uh, like, <laughs> thank you, Billy Joe. <laughs> A lot of the time, his lyrics are like rants almost. They're very ranty. He's very angry. Um, this is yeah. This is another one in the mold of as you mentioned those. Um, chord based like power chord based Dookie and Insomniac songs driving forwards with the bass and the drums um, I don't think there's anything particularly that sets it apart from those other songs except that it comes later on in this in this in this album anyway so I just um, I think it's a, a solid a solid track definitely so the final four songs here are all from the band's 2000 album Warning and it starts off, and I, I got to ask you this, as, as somebody who is a, a fan of, of Green Day, was how divisive is my is uh, is the song or the album Warning? Because I feel like I feel like it's it's certainly like it, it has a lot of like the 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 critical or not the critical. I guess maybe maybe the critical love, but not the commercial success. And and it's the like I think fans are really indifferent. What are, what are your thoughts on on that album? Really I really like I really like it. I prefer it to Nimrod, which is also a little bit more divisive. Obviously, Dookie and Insomniac, it's hard to it's hard to dislike those albums. Dookie, uh, sorry, Nimrod, I don't mesh with as well as Warning. I think Warning's really good. And I think I don't have that many friends who are also Green Day fans, but I, from what I can tell, I think time has been very kind to Warning. I think fans are more likely to look back on Warning and go, oh, actually quite that this is pretty good i will say that i feel in a similar way to warning as i do about insomniac in international super hits in that there are songs that i would have made one or two maybe that i would prefer to see on uh, on the greatest hits so if anybody's listening who wants to know church on sunday is a great song in warning uh deadbeat holiday as well that's a really good one but as a whole it's 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 not my favorite green day album but it's like top Oh, is it top three to top four? It's up there. I like Warning a lot. Uh, so the first song from the album that makes it on is the song Minority. Uh, I still remember the first time hearing this at a Green Day concert in 2017 outside of Philadelphia and not really knowing much of the 90s output outside of Dookie and Insomniac, but just like eventually like about halfway through the song, I'm, I'm in the pit of the show and everybody's just going... I wanna be a minority, and like, and just and just dancing around with it. Um, personally, I love the acoustic guitar intro uh, to to this song. Uh, you know, you read the the lyrics, and and this is a song that 
uh, I think is, is sort of the, the birth of the, the political type of lyrics that, that Green Day would grow to, to expand upon on American Idiot four years later. I get why people, you know, wouldn't have liked it at the time. You know, there, there's, a, there's a harmonica solo and like harmonica and pop punk, I don't think really go one and one there. Um, but I also kind of see the song as, and I don't know if they planned for this to happen, but it kind of reminded me almost of like a Bob Dylan song right like it's very like it's it's very it's it has the political backings it has that very opinionated feel and i mean of course whenever i hear the harmonica solo i just imagine bob dylan up there with his acoustic and the harmonica wrapped around and and he's singing these these long-winded songs about how you know the world's going away and 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 all of this and it's it's it, i i sort of got those it's it's weird to compare bob dylan and green day right but those were those were sort of what i heard in that song it's one of my it's one of my favorite Green Day songs. I think it's not up there quite with Basket Case, but it's it's a one that I really really like. Um, it's another one live where they often take the opportunity to break it down. And I think you've just got Trey on the snare drum for a little bit uh, while Billy Joe says whatever is on his mind <laughs> at the time and gets the crowd to, tries to be Freddie Mercury and get the crowd to sing with him and everything. But it's a great song. Uh, the the title track of this album, Warning, comes next, and uh, I do I do just want to just quickly comment on the lyrics uh, in the chorus. You know, warning, live without warning. Uh, I think is is one of the more important messages from from any song on the album. Live without warning. Don't worry. Don't worry about what anybody tells you to do. Like live on your own terms. Basically, I do enjoy that. Well, with all that being said, and this isn't a knock on the song, right? But the first thing that came into my mind as I'm hearing this song, because again, these are these are songs that either I haven't heard in a while. For a lot of songs on Warning, I have I this is the first time I'm really hearing them. Right, um, Warning to me sounds like a song you would hear on Dawson's Creek. I don't know why, but I'm just imagining I'm just imagining this song being played in the background as Dawson walks on the dock and he's trying to like meet with the new pretty girl at his high school and and try to ask her out on a date or something like I don't know why that it would this was like pure 90s nostalgia for a song that came out in 2000 yes um it's it sounds kind of like you're on a for me anyway because I, I don't really have that same context I know what Dawson's Creek is and I know the stereotypes associated with Dawson's Creek but I've never actually watched it um, but to me, it sounds like a mechanical sort of song, right? It's very steady rhythm. Feels like you're on a, like on a conveyor belt. And then there's the whole may impair your ability to operate machinery. Like it just seems to be, I guess it's trying to, I guess what they were trying to do was make this song that sounds really regimented and authoritarian because it wants you to, the message is to break out of that. And as you, as you mentioned, to live on your own terms, that would just be my guess, but I don't know. Uh, the final two songs, uh, I think I'll lean on you a little bit because a lot of a lot of what I have here mainly just surrounds the musical aspect of things, right? So, uh, so the penultimate track here on the album is the song "Waiting." Uh, musically, it reminded me a little more of of a, of a modern, a more modern Green Day song, but the song "Still Breathing" off of uh, off of Revolution Radio. It sounded a, a little bit, uh, maybe not in terms of, of of the chords, but just like the the song structure. It reminded me. It reminded me a little bit of that. You know, lyrically, nothing really stood out to me, and and, and I kind of compared it almost to like, this was a song that like, for the most part, like at the very least, like 
a lot of the songs on this album are pop punk, and then you have the occasional, you know, alternative rock or acoustic or whatever. This was the first song that I classified almost as like power pop. Uh, it, it it just it wasn't it wasn't there weren't really any punk elements to the song in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's one of his more um, or hey, I say his because Billy Joe writes the majority of the songs, uh, certainly the lyrics. I think it's one of his more romantic efforts lyrically. Um, but I do understand where you're coming from. Have you ever heard of, and I don't know if this was a hit overseas, so it may not have been, but there was a song by an old British singer called Petula Clark called Downtown, uh, which I'm surprised Billy Joe has not been contacted by her legal team because the song is very, very similar to Waiting. Oh, very really? similar. Oh, it's so, I'll send you, I'll, I'll remind you, I'll, I'll send you the title of the, I'll send you a link to the video. Okay. It's the chorus is, I'm surprised Billy Joe has not gotten in trouble because of this. <laughs> so the, uh, the final track, uh, the final track on this album and the final track on Warning. Uh, I kind of like that that parallel right there is the song Macy's Day Parade. It's just like it's it's just a cool and mellow final tr- final song. Again, didn't really have much in the way. It was just I was I was sitting there last night listening to the album and and just and just sort of like just kind of just sitting there and just kind of taking the song in for what it was. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a really good song, but I didn't really have too much in depth notes as I have for the previous twenty tracks. Yeah. Uh... I, this was one that I would always skip when I was like 12, because if you listen to it, what, why would a 12 year old enjoy, enjoy that? But as I got older, I started enjoying more and more. Uh, it is quite a, it's one of their more sort of mournful ones. It sounds quite sad actually, but um, like there's the whole, then I realized what it took to tell the difference between thieves and crooks. It's really, um, there's quite dark lyrically and quite sad in terms of the, the tone, but I, I like it, and I think it is. You're right. It is. There is. It, it's not just you know. Ooh, I knocked my setup over. Um, it's not just. It, <laughs> it's not just um, negative. It's also calm and relaxing, as you've mentioned, and it reminds us all that Green Day, in their very name, are a stoner band, and they <laughs> like to mellow out occasionally. So. <laughs> so that was international super hits from Green Day. Um, in terms, I, I, I don't feel it's fair. I usually give like this, the big standout tracks and obviously it's a greatest hits album. So there are a lot of standout tracks. Um, but I mean, it, it, I, I can at least point to the, the, the songs I hadn't really heard, heard before, you know, a song like, like pop rocks and Coke and J.A.R. And, and, and songs like that. But again, just, I guess, I guess selfishly, I will just say long view and brain stew are jams. I mean, that's that, that I can totally understand. Can I give a couple? Can I say yeah, yeah, standouts yeah. as well? Oh, yes. Absolutely. Go uh, for I'll, it. Got to go for Basket Case. Minority probably as well. Um, good riddance, but everybody knows that one. And I'll um, I'll go for one that I thought you were going to go for. And I'll say Welcome to Paradise, because that, that, that is also fantastic. Uh, well, if you're familiar with Green Day, obviously go to go to any music listening platform, listen to international super hits, give them the plays, have them enjoy it, and uh, you know, give them give them the plays that they so richly deserve. Um, no, great. They need 20, it. They need it. They need it. Uh, Twenty one tracks. It, it was only only an hour. It flew it flew by listening to that uh, for sure. So uh, check out the album and just imagine this this was only like the '90s and and the year 2000 output, and there's still what three, four, five albums throughout the, throughout the next 20 years that, uh, 
that you can uh, that you can listen to, to some of the bigger hits that if they were to make like an international super hits too you know how different would the track list be you know what i mean yeah so, yeah, yeah so uh it was a fun hour and a half that we just spent talking about this album uh, but just real quick before we get out of here jack i just want one, one more time just speak on the the importance for you of international super hits and then um just uh, you know, tell tell the people listening how they can keep up with uh, with what you do and 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 what what you what you guys are doing over at Cultolic. Yeah, um, so international super hits, as we've mentioned, is Green Day's pre-American Idiot era greatest hits album, and for me, it is the kind of defining my defining introduction as a child into the shameless world of three chord pop punk fun songs especially the first half of the album second half gets a little bit more mellow a little bit more introspective in parts but it's definitely definitely worth a listen if you somehow haven't heard it already you will know a handful of songs from this album um i've been jack of course i talk about wrestling online and write about it as well uh you can find that at cultaholic.com the youtube channel is cultaholic as well you can follow me on twitter if you want at jack the jobber um and thank you very much for having me on as well i've, I've had a really good time thank you this has been a lot of fun. Uh, Jack King, thanks. Thank you so much for being on the Bang Red Podcast, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, man. Thank you. Can't thank Jack King enough for, for hopping on here. It's something that had been a little bit of the work. As I think I mentioned at the beginning of the previous episode, it was literally uh, the occasional Twitter correspondence to making this happen. And and it was it was it was great following not only following his career from the beginning to where he's at now and the work that he and the other guys from cultaholic have put in has been amazing jack thank you so much it was a blast and i uh, can't wait to have you back on soon so we can talk about uh everything crazy uh not just in your world but uh, maybe another album of, of choice so uh it, it was a blast really really loved it and uh, i can't thank you enough for, for hopping on jack and i also can't say thank you enough to all of you for listening uh this is this has been the bang your head podcast again check us out wherever you get your podcast listen to the playlist check out the facebook page if you're interested in being a guest or sending your music to be spotlighted send it my way byhpod at gmail.com and twitter and instagram at jmz1994 give me a shout would love to feature you this has been a lot of fun, my friends. Thank you so much for listening to the Bangerhead Podcast. As always, happy trails to you until we meet again, and stay safe out there. <laughs>